WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio proudly presents the Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell, spiritual advisor to WSFI and pastor of Our Lady of Mount Carmel and St. Therese in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Father Dwight Campbell here for another Marian Hour show. And... I'm going to begin my program today, as I like to do, praying my favorite prayer to Our Lady, which is the Memorare. So if you would join me in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that, that never was it known that, that anyone who fled to thy protection, protection implored your help, or sought, sought your intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. St. Louis Marie de Montfort, pray for us. And St. Peter Chanel, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today is the, the feast of two saints that we celebrate, St. Peter Chanel, who was a martyr um, in the South Sea Islands in the Pacific, uh, and St. Louis-Marie de Montfort. I'm going to sp be speaking today about St. Louis de Montfort, the great saint of Our Lady, as we approach the month of Our Lady, the, the month of May. We're just a few days sh shy of the beginning of May. And um, I'd, I'd like to just point out to, to both Annie and Angela, I have a relic here of St. Louis-Marie de Montfort that Whoa. I brought with me. Yes. So uh, wow. a, a first-class relic of his wow. bone. And um, I really admire uh, St. Louis, his... his uh, beautiful faith and of course his writing on the Blessed Virgin Mary. I'll get to his writings but I'm, I'm going to begin talking about his life. Okay, And there are uh, a number of uh, different editions you can get of the uh, true devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, St. Louis's uh, great work on Mary. Um, I have the one published by the de Montfort Fathers and uh, it has a nice biographical note at the beginning of the book, which um, is a nice guide. So I'll, I'll just give a few facts about St. Louis de Montfort. Um, he was born in Brittany in West Central France, 1673. And at the age of 12, was sent to a Jesuit college in uh, Rennes, of St. Thomas Becket. Uh, he spent eight years there, and then he felt called to the priesthood, praying before a statue of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Okay. Wow. Yes, and that, that was at the Carmelite Church in Rennes, and um, so he went off to study in Paris. He walked the whole 200 miles as just a form of penance, and on the way, he 
gave his money to beggars. He even gave a new suit he had to, to one of the beggars on, he met on the road. I guess he'd meet a lot of beggars on the road back in the 1600s. And um, <clears throat> he uh, knelt down on the road and, and resolved in his heart to never possess anything on his own, but rather to rely entirely on the providence of God for everything. And he began his studies at a college, St. Sulpice, and um, that was the college that was devoted to forming the priests of St. Sulpice, forming priests for for service in the priesthood. And uh, St. Sulpice was really under the influence, not at that time because he had died, of, of uh, Cardinal Pierre Bayrule. And Cardinal Bayrule is the founder of what is known as the French School of Spirituality. Have either of you, Annie or, or Angela, ever heard of that, the French School of Spirituality? No, I haven't. No? I never did either throughout the whole my whole seminary time. It was only when I went off to study Mary more intensely uh, that I, I learned about um, the French school. And the professor, I remember, Father Thomas Thompson, he was uh, a Marianist priest. And he just kind of, in passing, you know, acted like everyone knew what the French school was. I thought, French school? I'd, I never heard of this. <laughs> well, the, the French School of Spirituality um, really founded by uh, Pierre, uh, Cardinal Pierre Bayrule and um, uh, a few others as well are regarded as the founders, but the French School of Spirituality is, is really centered upon the idea of, on the one hand, uh, it's very Christ-centered, This and they emphasize, Cardinal Bayrule at least, the founder of the French school, the, the states of Christ, the interior states of Jesus. Um, his, and you could say that the, uh, you know, his mind, his heart, uh, what was going on in the interior of Jesus, which is something that uh, perdures, it, it, it remains in Jesus. You know, these experiences that, that he had, these states of of his his interior being as opposed to the events in his life which came and passed and one of the marks in the french school <coughs> also in regard to mary because the, the french school of spirituality is very devoted to mary and I've, i'm sure you've heard this because this was made famous really by saint louis de montfort uh, but but he got this from the french school jesus living in mary okay have you ever heard that, no, Jesus no. living in Mary? Yeah, okay. it's part of that beautiful prayer. Yes. Uh, in fact, that's the, 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 it's called the, the Tessera, uh, the little prayer, uh, the famous prayer of the, of the, the French school. And uh, that was composed by, uh, by uh, Father Ollier. And I, I'll read it here. Oh. oh, Jesus living in Mary, come and live in thy servants. In the spirit of thy holiness, in the fullness of thy might, in the truth of thy mysteries, in the perfection of thy ways, in the communion of thy mysteries, 
Subdue every hostile power in thy spirit for the glory of the Father. Amen. <clears throat> so, this idea of Jesus living in Mary, and um, uh, which which the, the French school promoted, well, St. Louis, uh, you could say, ran with this idea. Okay. Um, anyway, I, I'll get back to the French school's influence on when we get into uh, the theology of, of St. Louis de Montfort. So anyway, he goes off to studies and he begins them at St. Sulpice and then he finishes at the University of Paris, Paris and um, he was known for his great intellectual ability. He was very intelligent and his holiness. And he was ordained a priest in, in 1700 and um, he wanted to go to the foreign missions, and he had his sights set on Canada at the time. And if you if you know it in Canada at this time, you know the Jesuits were there um, um, in the 1600s, late 1600s. Um, a number of them had already been martyred, like uh, Saint John de Brebeuf, Isaac Jogues, and so he wanted to go to Canada and and be a missionary. But his spiritual director said no. And he helped him, he helped St. Louis de Montfort to choose, uh, uh, you'd say, a, a, a life of missionary work in France. And <clears throat> when St. Louis began this, he, he desired for uh, well, to found uh, a small band of priests who would, under the protection of Mary, under her inspiration, travel around, go to parish to parish, and try to revive, um, you know, a, a good religious spirit in the faithful. And he undertook this missionary work, and he ran into opposition because he was he was very orthodox and very faithful. And uh, <clears throat> um, sometimes it was from fellow priests, even bishops sometimes. They would say, you know, get out of my diocese. You know, I don't want you here, what you're preaching, uh, because they regarded him as kind of a fanatic, on, especially on the Virgin Mary. Uh, other times he would run into opposition from, from people in, in parishes where he would be preaching. There's, there's a great story. Louis de Montfort was a big guy. Okay? I think he was... I think, if I recall, he was about 6'4", a big strapping fellow. And um, one time he's, he's in a town and he's giving a mission and, and some, some guys, at least one fellow, was making fun of him, mocking him, and mocking God, really, and Mary. And uh, St. Louis de Montfort, um, how should I say this? Uh, I'll just say kind of how I would say, punched him out, okay? He just labeled him, <laughs> shut up, boom, hit him and... <laughs> The guy shut up and, and stopped his harassing him and uh, insulting God and Our Lady. So, um, <clears throat> uh, anyway, he, to assure himself that he was following God's plan, he went to Rome. He, he went to speak to the Pope and asked the Pope's blessing on his work that he was doing in the Pope. Uh, at that time, I think it was, let me see, it's yeah, Clement XI, 
Uh, he had a private audience with him, and and the Pope assured him of his vocation of evangelizing France. And actually, he commissioned him to do missionary work and gave him a title, a missionary apostolic. In other words, he had like, the the stamp of approval of the Pope to, to be a missionary, to go around in, in central, especially western France, and uh, to preach to people, to catechize both children and adults, to encourage people to renew their baptismal promises. You know, that's central. Father, which Pope was it? Clement the Eleventh. Oh, Clement the Eleventh. Okay. Yes. Thank yeah. you. And, well, St. Louis began uh, with the Pope's approval uh, or, or continued to undertake this missionary work. And uh, he did that for only 16 years before he died. It was, you know, very um, strenuous apostolic work. You know, he'd travel on foot all the time and I think r literally wore himself out. And he died in, in 1716. And uh, he was canonized by Pope Pius XII in 1947. And um, I'm going to just read here uh, an, an epitaph on his, his tombstone, which was, it tells you the, the type of saint he was, the type of person. You who pass this way, what do you see? A light quenched, a man consumed with the fire of charity, who became all things to all men, Louis-Marie Grignon de Montfort. If you would know his life, there was none more holy, if his penance none more mortified, if his zeal none more ardent, if his devotion to Mary none more like St. Bernard. A priest of Christ, showed he showed forth Christ in his actions, preached him everywhere in his words, unwearied he rested only in the grave. A father to the poor, protector of orphans, reconciler of sinners, his glorious death was the image of his life. As he lived, so did he die. Okay. And uh, he wrote a number of works in in his years uh, preaching, he would spend his nights by candlelight writing. Um, um, uh, one of them, well, his, his whole theology was centered upon Christ and saw Mary as the way to Christ. And one of his, his works was Love of Eternal Wisdom. Eternal Wisdom, who's that? Jesus. Jesus, yes, yeah. yes. And um, uh, he, he wrote a book on how to pray the rosary well. But his greatest work is true devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, which um, he even predicted in the book that this manuscript would be lost yeah. for many years mm -hmm. and then would be found. It was hidden during—it was never published—hidden uh, during the French Revolution, found in a, in a, in a chest— in 1842, and um, the first pages were missing, so we don't know what the original title was. The first editors gave it the title, uh, True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, because in it he was trying to distinguish what is true authentic devo devotion to Mary versus uh, a false devotion to her. Okay, And... Um, 
on that note, I'll, I'll just say something. Um, uh, Pope Pius XII, in his canonization address in 1947, he said this, okay, the author of True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin distinguishes in a few precise words this authentic devotion from the false and superstitious devotion, which consists only in exterior practices and superficial sentiment. Okay. Now, those words were echoed by St. John Paul II in his encyclical Redemptoris Mater, his 1987 encyclical, he had declared a Marian year, John Paul II, and in near the end of that encyclical, he cites by name two books actually on Mary. One is True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, the other is uh, St. Alphonsus Liguori's book The Glories of Mary, and he says, you know, and speaking to about both of these books, he says these are our you know, good books, guides to Mary, and especially to Monfort, it gives us true devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now, St. John Paul II could attest to that personally. Do you know why? Totus Tuus, didn't he have a problem yes, with it in the beginning? Yes, yes, yes. St. John Paul II, okay, uh, I think he had to do it twice. Well, he, he no, not just twice. Oh. Uh, no, he, <laughs> he he read it the first time when he was, um, I think, working in the mines and in, in clandestinely going to the seminary, and he thought it was just too, I don't know, sentimental and sh maybe sugary, and thought, oh, you know. And then he read it again, and again, and again, and again. It it became. Um, you know, uh, a constant companion to him. Uh, I, I've read accounts that he used to carry it with him many times, like in his back pocket, and just take out it out and do some daily reading from the True Devotion to Mary. And uh, in the True Devotion, we find St. Louis de Montfort, uh, he, he writes, uh, totus tuus, okay? I am totally yours. Mary, and John Paul II took that okay. that phrase as you know his coat of arms, uh, okay. part of it. I mean, his his coat of arms was an M with a cross on top of the M, it showed Mary at the foot of the cross, kind of like the miraculous medal. Yeah. yeah, and underneath, totus tuus. Okay, I am totally yours, and. So John Paul II was, you, know, you could say, uh, a great advocate, promoter of, of the true devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Okay. And I'll say something about, I, I've already said the title, which was given by the, the first editors, True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin, but there's a subtitle. And... Uh, the subtitle is taken from number number 227 in the book. One, one of the great things about True Devotion is it's divided into uh, numbered paragraphs. So it's easy. You just say what number you're referring to, and you go right to it. And in number 227, 
there's uh, a reference to preparation for the reign of Jesus Christ, and that's the subtitle of the book. Okay, True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin, Preparation for the Reign of Jesus Christ. And are we getting close to our... I think we, we've already we have, passed. No, we're four minutes. Limit. Well, I, we can, we can, do you want to? Actually, I have, it's 2.21 already. Okay. I so. think I said 24 minutes. Father, we can oh. take, want to take a break? Oh, yeah, maybe now. And then okay. I'll return, start talking about the, the book at, uh, at length. Okay. Hello, I am Bishop Alberto Rojas, one of the auxiliary bishops in Chicago. Anything that has to do to bring in the message of salvation, bring in the message of Jesus in any way, but especially through the radio, through the media today, as we advance how media has evolved so fast, not only through the radio, but through all kinds of ways, especially with the computers and phones, and this is unbelievable. I think it's very important that we use these means of communication to also bring the message of salvation, the message of Jesus through the world. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Hi, this is Father Dwight Campbell. I am back for the second segment of the Marian Hour. And today I'm speaking on St. Louis-Marie de Montfort. It is his feast day, April 28th. A beautiful way to prepare for the month of May, um, which is the month of Mary. And St. Louis' great work on the Blessed Virgin Mary True devotion to the Blessed Virgin, preparation for the reign of Jesus Christ, the subtitle, as I noted in my ending comments in the last section. And if you have never read uh, St. Louis's great work, it's, it's um, uh, in, in some sense, uh, not a difficult read, but uh, what makes it difficult in some sense is that uh, as you're reading through it, you'll want to stop and ponder what he's saying because um, everything is so so rich. There's, there's so much good, holy, spiritual advice mixed with doctrine in his words. And <coughs> uh, the author uh, provides an introduction to 
his work. This is number one, as, as I noted at the end of the last segment, uh, the whole true devotion work is divided into, you could say, uh, paragraphs, um, numbered paragraphs. And it goes from one all the way to, I think it's two, uh, 220, two, pardon me, 258. Yeah. And uh, one of the things St. Louis does in this throughout the work is to assure the reader that what he's saying is not anything new. It is part of the tradition of the Church. And it, he heavily footnotes his, his work, oh. the words in, in the various numbered paragraphs, uh, to support what he's saying. It's like, okay, here, I say this, here, read, St. Bernard says this, okay? Right. Or he, he directly quotes some of these saints and spiritual writers. And he makes this bold claim that what I say here, if it, uh, one could not uh, overturn it without, or, or deny it without overturning the whole tradition of the church. So he's, he's was very well read in the seminary. He, he read the works of, of other authors. He made copious notes. And... This helped him to, to compose the true devotion to the Blessed Virgin. And I'll, I'll start with his introduction. And here, keep in mind, you know, the subtitle to the work, True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin, Preparation for the Reign of Jesus Christ. Um, the whole idea about devotion to Mary is to conform us more perfectly to Jesus Christ and to by, by living out our baptismal promises. Okay? to reject Satan, and to devote our lives to Jesus Christ. And in the very first paragraph, number one of the true devotion, it's part of uh, the author's introduction. St. Louis says this, It was through the Blessed Virgin that Jesus Christ came into the world. It is also through her that he must reign in the world. Okay. Now, <coughs> So we, we get an idea right away from the top, you could say, <laughs> from the very start, that uh, Mary, uh, devotion to her is, is ordered toward Christ and his coming. Okay. Um, he already came once. He established a reign. His full reign will come at the end of the world. Okay. But Christ wants to reign now. And he does reign, unfortunately, most of our leaders have no concept that their authority, uh, their political authority, comes from Jesus Christ. We, we know that from Christ himself. Remember when Pilate uh, tells Jesus, don't you realize I have the power to set you free or to crucify you? What does Jesus say? Do you remember, Annie? No. Yeah, you'd have no power unless God gave it to you. Yes, yeah. until, okay. unless it were given to you from above. Okay. So, a recognition that uh, all authority, earthly authority, comes from God. Christ reigns on the earth. And our part of our apostolic mission is to make Christ known so that he may reign. This is the social reign of Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about here. Okay, And um, his reign is universal. Now, um, 
Mary is the queen of heaven and earth. And Mary, we believe, the church teaches, you know, she's, she sits um, with Christ reigning in heaven. And I'll quote Pope Pius XII in... Um, 1946, October 13th, 1946, it, it began the, the anniversary of, of a year commemorating Fatima, okay, 17, 27, 37, 47. So it would, it would end in, in, in 1947. But in 1946, um, Pius XII addressed pilgrims gathered at Fatima. And remember, the, the angels started appearing to the children at Fatima in, in 1916. So, um, so this was the anniversary year. And in that address, Pope Pius Twelfth said that Mary's reign is as vast and wide, broad, as her sons. So Mary reigns with Christ. She is the queen, the queen of all hearts, as St. Louis de Montfort calls her uh, later in his work. And um, so anyway, in the social reign of Christ, Mary is, is reigning with her son, okay? And we go on to number two in the introduction. Because Mary remained hidden during her life, okay, she is called by the Holy Spirit, Alma Mater, okay, uh, loving mother, mother hidden, unknown. So great was her humility, she desired nothing more upon earth than to remain unknown, especially to others, okay. And, and he, 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 in the very next paragraph, he, he says, uh, in answer to her prayers to remain hidden, poor and lonely, God was, pl God was pleased to conceal her from nearly every other human creature in her conception, her birth, her life, her mysteries, her, res her assumption to heaven. Okay. Um, and he says that the angels would often ask one another, who can this possibly be? And here I think he's referring to, what do you think? Who can this possibly be? I think it's her immaculate conception. You know, they knew something had happened with, you know, someone, so, you know, this person had been conceived, and who can this possibly be, this person that is conceived without sin and is filled with grace, okay? Um, but Mary remains hidden, and, and uh, as Louis de Montfort says in number four of the introduction, God the Father willed that she should perform no miracle during her life. The son willed that she should speak very little. Okay. And Mary, we see but, you know, a spattering of words by her in the Gospels. Uh, fiat, let it be done to me as you say, you know, at the Annunciation. Um, at the visit, pardon me, at the um, visitation, she, she uh, utters her prayer, the Magnificat, a beautiful prayer in praise of God. And... At Cana, her last words, you know, 
do whatever he tells you. So, you know, Mary Mary doesn't say too much, but what what she says is very, very instructive. But, you know, she she's not highlighted in the Gospels in in the whole New Testament. And uh, most theologians think this is f- for a very practical reason, and St. Louis de Montfort says this in his, his work. Uh, it's because, you know, Jesus Christ, there were all kinds of problems, if you know the early church, with Jesus for the first centuries. Uh, there were all kinds of heresies, denying he was God, denying he was truly man. Uh, he was, you know, God and man and two persons, uh, all these heresies. Well, the church had to correct these heresies and uh, only chose to, you know, begin formulating its doctrine on Mary after this. We could think of the Council of Ephesus, 431. She's proclaimed the mother of God, okay? Well, first you had to figure out and and get straight, Jesus is God. (laughs) That was Arianism, you know, the century before. So so anyway, uh, Mary has, you could say, from just a a literary standpoint, uh, a low profile in the New Testament. But um, so... Uh, the Holy Spirit, says Louis de Montfort, uh, willed that the apostles, the evangelists, should say very little about her, only as much as was necessary to make Jesus known. Okay. And um, so then in, he goes on to say that Mary is the supreme masterpiece of Almighty God. Now, um, what, do we, what does he mean by that? Um, another saint. None other, think, none uh, other, no other one is like her. Right. Yeah, no one is like her. Right. Uh, she's, she's singular, preserved from sin, her immaculate conception filled with grace. And um, St. Saint, Saint Peter Julian Amard, I spoke of him I think two weeks ago, the great apostle of the Eucharist, uh, said that Almighty God exhausted his power, so to say, in embellishing Mary with her gifts and graces. Okay. God could do no more, in other words. Okay. So St. Louis de Montfort is, is acknowledging this, saying Mary is the supreme masterpiece of Almighty God and... He goes on to say, God has reserved the knowledge and possession of her for himself. So, um, in fact, Pope Pius IX, Blessed Pius IX, in his dogmatic constitution defining Mary's Immaculate Conception, as well as Pius XII in defining Mary's Assumption in, in 1950, uh, almost 100 years later, um, you know, they, they say that Mary's holiness is something that only God can comprehend. Uh, we, we cannot wrap our minds around how holy is Mary. Uh, her holiness qualitatively, okay, exceeds 
all the angels and saints combined. This is what the tradition of the church is. So uh, she's, she's just, you know, uh, above every other saint. And this is why, uh, and St. Louis de Montfort says this in, in, his, in his work later on, that, you know, with the saints, we, we give veneration. Um, we only give worship, adoration to God. In, in, there's a Latin term for that called latria. It's adoration, worship. Okay. Sometimes you see in, in, in devotional works, you know, we, 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 you know, worship, adore Mary. Well, that's, that's just an exaggerated phrase. We, we're not putting Mary on the same level as God. You'll see that language sometimes in older works. Um, but properly speaking, latria is given only to God. And to Jesus, because he's, he's God-made man. With the saints, there's something called dulia. Dulia means veneration. We venerate the saints. Okay? We honor them. Okay. With Mary, are you familiar with the term I'm about to say? Hyperdulia. Mm-hmm. Hyperdulia. It's... it's uh, like like hyperventilate, uh, uh, hyper excited. Okay, it's she's she's above all the angels and saints. With Mary, it's hyperdulia, because she is the Theotokos. She is the mother of God, the God bearer, and filled with grace. So it is. She's just, you know, a cut above all the saints. And her position is that because she gave conceived, gave birth to the Son of God, and also, because she, um, her her association in the work of redemption, especially at the foot of the cross, earned her the title of the mediatrix of all the grace of Christ. She's our advocate with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the mediatrix of the grace of Christ. So this is why we we give her that hyper dulia or hyper veneration over and above all the other saints. We'll return shortly. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Hi, my name is Nancy Martin. I invite you to join me for a free online course entitled Consecration to Jesus Through Mary using the St. Louis de Montfort Charism and sponsored by Holy Apostles Seminary and College. There are rolling start dates throughout the year. For more information, email me at nmartin11 at sbcglobal.net. That's nmartin11 at sbcglobal.net. Well, hi, this is Father Dwight Campbell back for the third and final segment of our Marian Hour on this Wednesday, April 28th, the feast day of St. 
Louis-Marie de Montfort, whose great book I'm discussing, um, True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin, which I'll just say this. I first read this when I was uh, pre-seminary days. I was, I was working, actually, as, as an assistant state's attorney. Uh, someone, a, a, another attorney friend gave me the book. He said, my, my mother um, you know, gave me this, and uh, she said, it's a good book to read. I started to read it, and I thought, well, this is, this is just marvelous. And I read it, reread it, reread it. I'm holding up my copy. You could see it's kind of worn. That you can't even see the title anymore uh, on, from the cover. Um, but um, uh, Annie, who's here with me in in the studio, asked a question. You know, I made reference to Saint Louis de Montfort being schooled in the French school of spirituality. Okay, there are different schools of spirituality. Uh, you know, the Franciscans have a particular emphasis, especially on on Jesus, his suffering. Um, you know, the, the Jesuits have a spirituality on folk, you know, centered upon St. Ignatius' spiritual exercises, uh, Dominicans, uh, you go through the religious orders, you know, Benedictines, it's ora et labora, pray and work. And um, so the church is very rich. You can, you know, uh, choose from many different ways of life if you're entering religious life, especially, you know, what, what appeals to you. But then, you know, people say today, well, I'm, I'm a very spiritual person. Well, <laughs> um, you're only truly uh, a spiritual person if you're, if you're linked up with Christ. The gospel this coming Sunday, Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. So if people are, are imagining they're spiritual persons because, you know, they're wrapped up in their own, in their own mentality and, you know, thinking of themselves spiritual just because, you know, I, I imagine myself to be— uh, well, you know, they can be deceiving themselves. And oftentimes people say this, especially when um, they are, are, you know, determining their, their own um, way to live and, and uh, rules to live by, okay? They're making themselves out to be gods, which is the, the, the sin of offered to our first parents, okay? So... Um, in the Catholic understanding, spirituality means a way of living out one's, you know, life in Christ, but in, in different ways, okay? And uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, different graces, charisms he's given to saints, to founders of religious orders. So this is what we mean by uh, the Catholic understanding of spirituality. I'm glad you asked that question, Annie, because, you know, yes, people do say, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I, don't, I don't practice any particular religion, but I'm very spiritual. <laughs> okay, well, um, um, either you're with me or against me. That's what Jesus said. So people may be ignorant. We have to instruct them. But if you walk away from Christ, you're walking away from salvation. Okay. Anyway, we'll, we'll continue with um, the introduction to the True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin, written by St. Louis Marie Grignon de Montfort. Okay. Um, he uses beautiful images in, in this work. And, um, uh, you know, one of them, and the, the, many of them are, are based upon Scripture. 
Okay. He calls Mary a sealed fountain. Now that's actually from one of the Old Testament books, the Song of Songs, or the Canticle of Canticles. Okay. It's um, it's basically a a love poem between God and the soul, expressed in in a in language like like. Um, a lover, uh, a bride for her husband. Okay, we're all brides of Christ in the sense that that um, that we are are receptive and we receive grace from Him. Okay, and uh, oh, I, I should say we're all. Another way you could phrase this is we're all feminine in regard to Christ uh, because of our receptivity. We don't we don't give Christ anything; He gives it to us. Well, the sealed fountain is is a um, uh, you know a common way of uh, or a common image um, from the Song of Songs uh, in reference to Mary. That uh, sealed meaning she she was a perpetual virgin, and um, she. Uh, was able to uh, maintain her virginity and yet uh, conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, St. Louis, in number five of his introduction, um, calling Mary a sealed fountain, the faithful spouse of the Holy Spirit, who worked to preserve her from sin at her conception and who allowed her to maintain her virginity in giving birth or in conceiving Jesus in giving birth and forever afterwards. Okay. So she is the sanctuary and resting place of the Blessed Trinity where God dwells in greater and more divine splendor than anywhere else in the universe. Now, I'll say something about this as well. Um, in Catholic teaching, we receive at baptism sanctifying grace, which is a share in God's own divine life. We're not born with it. We're not conceived with it because of original sin. That's one of the effects of original sin. We come into this world without uh, being children of God. And through baptism, we receive a share of God's divine life in our souls. We become children of God. We become members of the church. But along with sanctifying grace, we, something else happens to us. And Louis de Montfort made reference to that with the words I read. What is it? Well, you become a child of God when you're baptized. Yes, but what else in relation to God? He made this reference to Mary. Oh, that you have the indwelling of the That's blessed it. Trinity. The, the indwelling, indwelling of the blessed Trinity. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yes, the indwelling, the divine indwelling, as it is called. So, um, Mary, well, we, when we're baptized, anyone who has sanctifying grace, um, the divine indwelling accompanies sanctifying grace. If you're in a state of grace, then God the Holy Trinity dwells in us. Okay. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. St. Paul uses that terminology, understanding that if the Holy Spirit is in our soul, one with the Father and the Son, 
the whole Trinity dwells within us. Okay? It's the divine indwelling. Well, the Blessed Virgin Mary experienced the divine indwelling qualitatively to a degree we, we can't imagine because she was filled with grace to a degree that we cannot comprehend. Only God can comprehend it. See, the holier we become, the, the greater share we have of God's life in our souls, the greater share of sanctifying grace. We merit grace by our love for God and neighbor. Okay? And as we, we grow in, in holiness, in sanctifying grace, uh, the divine indwelling qualitatively it, uh, uh, is, is uh, realized within us, within our bodies and souls. Now, with that idea in mind, we go to Mary, and this is why St. Louis says, you know, she uh, experienced the divine indwelling in a greater and more divine splendor than anywhere else in the universe. And he goes on to say in number six of the True Devotion, this is still the introduction, Mary is the earthly paradise of Jesus, the new Adam, where he became man by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that idea of Jesus being uh, the, pardon me, of Mary being the earthly paradise of Jesus, he's getting into here, what he will discuss more at length later, the um, the truth that G of of Jesus living in Mary. This is this is the French school of spirituality. Okay. Mm. Now, it's incredible if we stopped and think think about this, that God, instead of just coming down to earth to save us, he could have come down fully, you know, an adult, you know, just boom taken man, a uh, humanity, you know, created from nothing because God could do this just as he created Adam and Eve. He didn't do it that way. He chose to come through a woman. The woman referred to in Genesis 3.15, the Proto-Evangelium, uh, that God says when speaking to Satan, I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and she will crush your head, okay? So, Louis de Montfort, schooled in this um, French spirituality, um, you know, says that, um, you know, Mary is the earthly paradise for Jesus. Jesus dwelled in Mary, lived within her for nine months, shut himself in her womb for nine months. I mean, the to think about that is incredible. For us, no big deal. I mean, we were, you know, we're, we're, a, we're an embryo and, you know, we grow and, you know, we don't know anything. We don't really have a, you know, um, uh, uh, an intellect that, that uh, um, you know, has experienced anything other than, you know, this, this warmth in the womb. And, but Jesus, no, he, he, Jesus is both God and man. Dwelling in the womb of Mary from that, from the Annunciation Day, the Incarnation takes place. Okay, um, his his 
divine mind is is part of the person of, of Jesus Christ. His human intellect too, from conception. He 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 has the beatific vision from conception. This is the teaching of the church. St. Thomas Aquinas, Pius the Twelfth, okay? The teaching of the catechism. So he he's to to spend nine months in his mother's womb before he's born, I, this is just uh, incredible, and, and this is why St. Louis says Jesus regarded as Mar Mary's womb as a paradise. And the founder of the French School of Spirituality, I've read Cardinal Bayrule. He should be a saint. I don't know why he's not. There are some reasons, but um, uh, the, the French court didn't like him, you know, for some reasons, <laughs> and his cause never moved forward, but um, he, in his writings, he wrote uh, prolific works and just spoke and, and, and his works concentrated on this idea of Jesus living in Mary okay. and and uh, that that while Jesus was living in Mary there was a spiritual exchange going on between their minds and hearts okay. uh, that Mary was ravished by Jesus, her heart, her mind, her soul within her, and Jesus mutually ravished by Mary, totally in love with Mary, his mother, okay? And this mutual ravishment, okay, um, you know, which, you know, lovers can speak of being, I'm, ra you know, you're just ravished by this person, okay? Um, this is the language that, that, Cardinal Bayrule used, and St. Louis picks up on this. Okay, so it's just—it's very beautiful, and this is how he's—he's he's going to expand on this later. That you know, Mary is the sanctuary of the Blessed Trinity because the Trinity dwells there to a, to a degree that you know exceeds all other creation, and in addition, she's the earthly paradise after the after the Annunciation after the Incarnation takes place, okay? And this is made possible by the Holy Spirit. And he says, what great and hidden things the all-powerful God has done for this wonderful creature. And actually, she says this herself in the, Mag in the Magnificat. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, okay? And then St. Louis says, the world does not know these things, because it is incapable and unworthy of knowing them. Okay. And he says, the saints have said wonderful things of Mary, the holy city of God. Now, um, holy city of God, he makes reference to Mary as the holy city of God. Where else do we find that? Do you remember? St. Therese? Uh, Teresa of Avila? Not Teresa of Avila, but the Venerable Mary of Agreda. Oh, Mary Agreda. Yeah. Her, her whole work was titled The Mystical City of God. Okay. So that's Mary. Okay. And he says that the saints have said wonderful things about Mary, the holy city of God. The height of her merits cannot be measured. The greatness of the power which she wields 
over one who is God, that is her son, cannot be conceived. And the depth of her profound humility and all her virtues and graces cannot be sounded. Okay. So um, he's, he's telling us, the reader, St. Louis, how great Mary is. Um, he says, see, this is number eight. Even St. Michael, though prince of the heavenly court, is the most eager of all the angels to honor her, to lead others to honor her. Okay. And that, you know, the, the whole world, um, you know, acknowledges this. Christian peoples have chosen her as guardian, protectress of their kingdoms, provinces, dioceses, towns, cathedrals consecrated to her name, the great cathedrals. Okay. Chartres in France, you know, dedicated to Mary. Anyway, I see we're coming and to the And a great radio end. station. We have BVM Helping Hands. Yes. Yes, a great radio Absolutely. station that you're on. So, Father, will you give us your priestly blessing? Certainly. Before we okay. go. Thank you. What a beautiful show. Okay. Through the intercession of the sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary and the most pure heart of St. Joseph and St. Louis de Montfort, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to The Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell. For a free copy of this recording, please visit us at wsfipodbean.com.